welcome back to another episode of Word on the Street. This is an OML and RC organized podcast. And today in honor of Women's History Month, we're gonna be talking about how empowered women can work to empower other women. So my name is Jackie. I am one of the student assistants for the OML and I'm here co-hosting with Gabby. I don't know if you wanna introduce yourself now, Gabby. Sure. Hi, everybody. Uh, Like Jackie said, my name is Gabby, and I am also another student assistant at the OML. I have worked there for the last three years, and I'm also a senior economics major and international business minor. So I'll pass this off to Faiza. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure thing. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Faiza. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am um, here from Together Ladies of Color in the MCC. Um, also, when I was on campus, I, I'm, I'm just heavily involved with the MCC. And I was also a community facilitator um, for two years. Um, so yeah, it's really awesome to be here. Hi, yeah, I'm Adriana. Um, <clears throat> I'm in my third year of counseling psychology in the graduate program. And yeah, um, I'm just excited to be here and I've been trying to get more involved in um, basically the diversity that's going on at Santa Clara and all the like new movements that I think are really cool. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, Adriana has been one of our ride or dies for our events for OML this year. So we're really glad to have her here as well. So to kick off the conversation, again, this is going to be pretty casual. We know general topics that we want to talk about, but to kick off the conversation on a rather positive note, we just wanted to kind of break the ice a little bit and ask, what makes you feel empowered? So for me personally, I guess just like, just little reminders to that life is not always so serious and you know we are in control of our actions and our decisions and that can be a heavy weight sometimes in life but from the people around me you know I like to receive those reminders that you know you are making your decisions from the best of your ability and take a load off yourself you know don't be too hard on yourself and you have that kind of strength that you desire already that really makes me like reminding me of what I am capable of just it just feels good to hear from other people because it's hard to say to yourself sometimes yeah I feel like for me feeling empowered is very much an internal thing um because like I'm in the business school and I feel like in many ways I do feel like an outcast because I'm Latina so obviously my identity is not the most common that you'd see in the in the business school but although in some sense that like does cause me to feel like feelings of imposter syndrome at the end of the day, like I ultimately do make myself feel empowered just by being the, the minority in those spaces, because yeah, it does suck to be there and not see that many other people that look like you, but in a way that is also empowering me to like stay in that space and I guess fight for other people that look like me to take up similar spaces. Yeah, I actually just right before we started this conversation, just quickly like looked up the etymology behind the word empower. I'm just really fascinated with words and the prefix of em means like from within. Mm -hmm. And I think like, yeah, like you said, that's kind of where it comes from is like 
you have this power within you. And I was just thinking what, you know, the question that we ask are um, when empower women, empowered women, empower women. I was thinking of like, it's the power we hold within ourselves, but also like within our like social group as women, like we hold that power to empower other women, you know? Yeah, I really liked how, like what you said, Jackie, about, um, you know, feeling empowered is internal. And also what you added on, Gabby, of like that power is already within oneself. Like it, 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 it's already there. Like it's, it's, I think of it's something that's dormant and it just takes that this process of kind of um, realizing that for yourself. Um, but also I, I really like what I said, um, Gabby, about just having these reminders, like it's really hard. I think, um, you know, there's a saying, right? A lot of people say that, you know, you're your harshest critic or something like that. Um, and so obviously, you know, I, at least for me, I get really down on myself or yes, I, you know, kind of fall into um, kind of the traps of like imposter syndrome of like not always like feeling I belong or like that I'm not enough or it's like, what am I doing here? Am I even smart enough? And just a lot of self-doubt sometimes. Um, but I always have to try to remind myself um, that I can do it because sometimes let's say other people remind me or try to empower me it just doesn't get through if I don't necessarily believe in that or if I don't let myself see that and kind of trust myself to do that so I really do appreciate um, you know some the support I receive from my friends or just kind of these reminders from the outside um, but realistically and ultimately it helps me to kind of um, feel more empowered and kind of recognize um, that power that I have within myself. Yeah, I think like the antipathy of empowerment is the assumption that like power has to be handed to you or earned. And, you know, I'm sure there are many reasons within the structure of society why we feel that way. But I think the power that we're talking about, the power that like truly drives you to achieve what you want to achieve in the world is like, that's what you really have to tap into within yourself. That's not, it's not something that someone else can hand to you, but that's why those little reminders like make such a big difference because it's just like looking in a mirror, you know, sometimes you need to be like, oh, okay, yes. Like, this is still me. This has always been me. And I can, I can do this. I can handle this. Yeah. And I was going to say, um, uh, I'm a mother, so I have a daughter and definitely talking to her empowers me because I feel like I'm talking to like a little me mm -hmm. and like things that I would have wanted to hear as a little girl. I tell her, like, I always tell her, like, I love your skin. I love your hair. I love your, and she's like, no, mommy. I like, you know, cause me and her, like she has curly hair, I have straight hair. She's like, I like your hair. And so I kind of remember myself like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like my hair too. But I like, you know, so I think it's just like as simple as like just appreciating like your differences, but also like things that you don't like about yourself. Just saying like, okay, I like it too, you know, just cause it just reminds yourself and reminds you to remind yourself like you have to like all of your, you know, everything and the good, the bad and the ugly. And I think me talking to her helps me like remember like, oh yeah, like maybe I don't always haven't liked this but I should cause it's, you know, it's a part of me. So I think that is really empowering. And as well as like, 
I, I don't know if you guys have heard, but it's like we are ancestors' wildest dreams. And I think that's something that's so empowering to me because of the field that I'm going into um, is count. Yes, I have it too. Um, I have that. I have that sign too. Um, Everyone that, uh, this is obviously recorded. I just like held up a poster that I have that says I am my ancestors' wildest dreams because <laughs> I also love that quote. Yeah, me too. And I think like, um, you know, in my situation, I'm able to go to school, I'm able to get a job. Um, you know, my grandma had to give up her, her schooling to have kids. And my other, um, grandma wasn't able to go to school past like, you know, the sixth grade. So I think it's something that, you know, when I think about what they've been through and all the sacrifices they made to, you know, to, to be able to be a mom and to be able to be in school and to be able to get a job, I think those are all the things that remind me to keep going and to make sure that other girls have the same opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like that kind of touches on the theme of the fact that this whole concept of like women empowering women and feminism has transformed so much like from generation to generation where I feel like even like just the word feminism itself has, has evolved. So we, we opened up on a pretty like lighthearted note, but I want to ask and kind of like switch this to have a more critical view to ask in what ways do you, do y'all think that the feminist movement has not actually empowered women at all times? And I'll leave that in open because I have my own thoughts, but I want to hear about from others first. I think like a lot of the iconography used can be like, you know, exclusionary a lot of the time. And I think a lot of people in society who have the largest platform and the largest voices are not necessarily representative of everyone who identifies as woman or femme. And I know we didn't really have this on the agenda, but I kind of wanted to bring that discussion up too that like advocating for rights for female identifying individuals, it like, it, not everybody has the same concerns with their rights and some people have different perspectives over what they want their legal standing to be. And it's unfortunate that like, because feminism is such a, it, I mean, it's, fighting for 50% of the globe, right? It's, there's no way that one movement can encompass every single detail that people want towards their personal freedom. But I think that as it's progressed, there have been like certain offshoots that are very exclusionary. And that's kind of like, it's kind of scary to see, you know? Yeah, I think I, so I, um, for, for a final project, I had a structural racism seminar um, last quarter in the fall. And like for our final project, we, uh, me and my friend, we wanted to talk about um, kind of this inter like intersectionality, but an understanding of like feminism and how feminism has in our dominant narrative has been focused on white women. So obviously like white feminism, and so I think that is just a very um, 
obvious way that I see how feminism has not included all women. Um, and so for white feminism, um, you know, the concerns that white women had, or it's seen in the suffrage movement, um, it's seen, um, and also just seen throughout the history of the 20th century, um, there was no concern for women of color, but also then in terms of identifying, right, other compounding impressions, such as being low income, or, um, you know, sexuality, or um, even, you know, places that they live and things like that. Um, I think that's something that we kind of talked about. Um, and we're trying to, you know, kind of uh, fight against in terms of this, like, narrative that, you know, it's like not how, how, you know, what are the pitfalls of white feminism? And really it was just a very exclusionary group of, of white women who only wanted to fight, pretty selfishly wanted to fight for what they um, deemed as important, what they deemed as equality. Um, and we kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, white women back then more, uh, more kind of, we can see that what some white women were fighting for even today is really just to be closer and adjacent to the white man. Um, and so in that sense, like that's how feminism um, has actually become kind of dangerous too. And what Gabby was talking about in terms of then thinking about, right, like these intersections and how, you know, there are um, women or how feminism has been exclusionary towards like trans folks, but also like trans women more specifically, but also other, you know, um, women adjacent or women identifying people. Um, I think that's also a conversation that we're kind of starting to be a little more aware of because of how excluded and how invisible they were made. Yeah. And on that note, this is jumping a little bit ahead um, in the agenda, but I think this is a good point to talk about the differences in terminology because at least this year as you know women's history month has been in my opinion from what i've seen celebrated you know by a lot more companies organizations i'm seeing a lot of debate between the use of the term women with en versus women with the y the w o m y n versus the women with the x n because traditionally like you know, the argument against using the word, the traditional word for women was that, you know, they wanted to take out the, you know, the men aspect of the word. But when you include the YN, that is specifically meant to uplift white women. And as you were talking already about FISA, like that in itself has its own problems. So do y'all have like any opinions on like which word you might you know, prefer or any arguments for and against either of any of these terms? I think, and Jackie, you know this, we've talked about this a lot just in terms of, you know, how we're going to advertise our programming for the OML over this month. Um, but I think I have like a deep respect and understanding for why the X is placed in the word in like an abolitionist revolutionary sense of just creating a new idea because the old one wasn't working and it was antiquated and it was associated with all these things. So here, let's start again with this new term. Not, but I don't, it's hard because, I mean, it's such a common word in cultural, in culture and in conversation 
that like it would take a lot for everyone to be able to just abandon that word from their vocabulary and it's also not necessarily something that everyone has the ability to speak on I think it takes a lot of um, research and education to understand why some people have decided to make the switch and that could be exclusionary too you know I think it shouldn't be something that is so easy to miss culturally that some people don't catch on and could be labeled as insensitive when truly they're just try they're not trying to be um, insensitive or exclusionary at all. And like I said, I am interested in words and etymology, but I don't know enough to know exactly like how the word woman came about and if it truly is tangential to men in a way that would be unfavorable for us. So um, it's hard to make a conclusion, you know, but I think just because of the use currently, women with an E is more inclusionary just because it's what most people are comfortable with and always with terms of identity. You know, I don't think anyone should be incorrect for using a label they prefer, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's hard to make a call for everybody for sure. And on that note, I, I know I'm, I might be leading the conversation a little bit in a random order, but now I wanted to talk a little bit more. We, we talked about this a little bit pretty briefly in the beginning, but in what ways do y'all think that women can promote misogynistic ideas today? And in what ways do other women um, maybe oppress other women rather than empower them? I think that could be one, you know, just like someone who identifies as W-O-M-E-N versus someone who identifies as W-O-M-X-N. Like if you are telling someone they're wrong with their word that they're using to identify themselves, you know, like what grounds do you really have to say that? It's, it's really individual whether or not you feel included. Nobody can tell you that you should feel included. You have to just feel it. So I think the kind of dictation around how we should speak about feminism or, and I wanted to like kind of pose the question to you all because I hadn't really heard of the term womanism until recently. So I don't know if any of you can speak on that and kind of just explain it a bit more, but I think it's interesting because, and I mean, even the topic of female versus woman, like, I'm not fully versed in that discussion either, but I know there's a lot of discussion around like um, preferring the term woman in general. I don't know, can someone share on that? Yeah, so to my understanding, womanism, man, I don't know who coined this term. It might've been Alice Walker. I could be completely wrong, sorry everyone. But no, no, you're right. Yeah, it is Alice. Walker. Yeah. So to my understanding, womanism is specifically meant to uplift women, like the experiences of women of color and particularly black women. So I feel like that's a good, I feel like that kind of challenges the traditional like white feminist view that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I'm not too sure the history of womanism and, you know, 
and like where it com- comes from. And I think Alice Walker wrote a book about it or introduced the term in a specific book. I forgot what it's called, what her, what her book is called. But I don't know, the way that I view kind of this like terminology between womanism and feminism is very interesting. Um, and it could go and stem from this kind of conversation that we've been having about the different terminologies of how to spell woman, like with a Y or just with an E or with an X. Um, I, I don't know, it could stem from this idea of, right, like womanism versus feminism, trying to divorce from this idea of white feminism, because feminism is essentially synonymous with what we now view as white feminism. Um, it could have been this push to, to encompass, right, like, like all women or specifically focusing on the oppressions that black women um, suffer from and, and they face. Um, and so I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's just kind of my idea. I don't know how right I am, but, um, that's just kind of how I view this, this difference in terminology. Um, but it's interesting how womanism is not necessarily talked about today or taught today, um, unless you're in maybe women and gender studies classes. Um, and so kind of this idea that Alice Walker brought through with womanism maybe has been encapsulated in this, um, kind of push for intersectional feminism that we see today. Um, Though, I mean, maybe I'm making a wrong conflation. Um, I just think it's interesting that womanism is there, but it's not really talked about. And I'm, I don't know, kind of interested in terms of why. Yeah, because I feel like personally, although we're not, people still aren't explicitly speaking about or using the term womanism, like, Personally, for me, like, I feel like I can see it in media, like on my social media with like rising stars, like, you know, Nicki Minaj, Lizzo, and like, uh, you know, women like looking to, to those figures more as like, and recognizing them like as icons and like maybe even role models and stuff. So I think in that sense, I guess like womanism might be like breaking more into the mainstream, but I feel like this might be taking away, like this is now like speaking on a different note, not revolving race, but slash ethnicity. But I also wanna talk a little bit about like on the note of like, um, like social media and like the role that, you know, women have to like uplift other, other women on social media. Have you noticed how in some ways, I guess like bringing this back to my to my question about how do women promote misogynistic ideas today? Like, this is just something that I'm remembering. Like take, a, take for example, like if you see a photo on Instagram of maybe like a larger woman, right? I feel like it's so much more common to see people, you know, uplifting her and empowering her in the comments and saying things like, you know, thick girls, like I love thick girls. Like it's all about like, I love larger women, but then at the same time, it's, they're kind of downplaying, you know, skinnier women or more petite women. And I feel like this is something that I've seen a lot where like, even with like different, now this is bringing back like race and ethnicity into the conversation where I'll see things like Mexican girls do it better or black girls are better at this and this. And like, I've noticed that 
in a lot of ways in social media to uplift others, we need to like downplay or like oppress other groups, you know? So I just kind of wanted to ask about how you have all experienced this or like seen this and how this kind of reflects with the whole concept of like empowered women, empower women. I think it's, it's really interesting because, excuse me, the, like, the phrasing that you used about, like, blank, do it better, you know, it, it's so opinion-based in terms of the viewer or the audience, and, you know, it's not, like, a quantitative statement that anyone could make, it's just how they feel consuming this media, they feel the need to express this, but is that really empowerment? Because it's not going, it's not uplifting the power that this woman has within, it's uplifting the power that she has in their eyes, you know? And I think that's kind of like the key difference. It's just like seeing women express themselves and their physicality to the full extent is great because it's their power to do so. It's not based on our judgment of whether or not we like it, that it should be there, you know? It's truly should be like a hands-off movement kind of, like it's up to the individual how they want to present themselves on social media or in public. And we're just so used to expressing our judgments, whether they're positive or negative, we're so used to giving our opinions wherever we can and expecting to be heard and listened to. Um, And I think, especially when it comes to women, that people are very, very used to critiquing women and expecting women to follow their behavior in the footsteps of whatever those critiques were. Um, And that, that comes with, you know, living in a patriarchal society is that men have different opinions about how women should present themselves. Um, Yeah, I think that overall, it's a good thing that we're like adding these positive comments, but we have to think like, it should be positive for everyone. You know, it shouldn't just be like, oh, I enjoyed this, so it's a good thing. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, I think too, it's a cultural thing. Um, you know, I think like at at a time there was skinny women that were popular and now it's more like bigger bottoms, you know, skinny waist. And like you said, that excludes a lot of people because if you don't fit into that category, then, you know, it's like, well, then, you know, is my body like not good enough for the way cultural one, you know, culture wants it right now. And I think that's, problematic too because it's it's there's fads and obviously things get popular um and I think like you guys said it's you know it can exclude a lot of women and I think that um you know especially with like new ways to like distort bodies and face tune and all those things like I think that you know in itself is like you know it's kind of scary to think about because I think about like my daughter may think that's real or that that is something she should aspire to. And I mean, it goes back a long time. I'm sure, you know, Disney, you know, did it with the body types they had in their movies that we grew up with. That was probably unrealistic for a lot of girls. So I think it's, yeah, I mean, it just seems like you, 
like you say, like you could be like thick is in, but then it's like, if you're too thick, then that's a problem. Or you're too this, it's, it's, you're too that. It's like, if you don't fit that exact um, body type, it's like, it's almost like you're just chasing a goal. That's never either you get it and then it's not popular tomorrow. So I think that's something that's problematic for women because um, on social media, uh, just there's a lot of comparison and there's a lot of like unrealistic things that women are doing to make themselves look a certain way. And it's just not, it's not realistic. It's not, uh, it's not healthy either. Well, I was just going to say there, there's just so many unrealistic expectations uh, for women to present like conflicting behavior. You know, it's like, you're expected to be this, but that's too much and that's not enough. You know, it's like, we're always comparing ourselves to this impossible standard and we're not really sure what it is, but we're just like, you know, shooting an arrow in the dark. Um, but yeah, that's why I think like the, the positivity for the individual is so important because it's not about the standard. It's about empowering the person behind there, behind the picture, you know? Yeah. I just, um, I, what I wanted to say just kind of goes back to the general question of, um, you know, how women can be misogynistic um, and, you know, not empower women or like not kind of um, promote women and, and all that. Um, and I just want to give another example of, of that. And I talked to actually my sisters about this um, maybe like a couple weeks ago, but we were talking about girl boss feminism and how like super annoying that is but I think it could kind of also connect to what um you know what Gabby and Adriana was saying about these like unrealistic standards but I think like with girl boss feminism it's kind of like just been taken off um to just like praise or laud women who you know attain all of these like high statuses and yes that's good because women are now entering into spaces that um were never meant for them anyway that they've just been excluded from for so long but there is still harm in that in terms of this like like this question right of like who are you really empowering or um what are you actually praising are you praising the institution behind it are you actually like praising the woman, but you also have to be critical about now this, you know, these women are now in these spaces. Or let's, let's say, for example, like corporate America, or having these um, positions where they hold more decisions, like what, what are they going to do with that? Um, because they could easily, right, like not um, uplift other women or not help women to attain those same positions and still work within that type of institution, or within systems that continue um the suppression but now I guess like of course now there you know with feminism there is still or I should say we've created right in girl boss feminism the standard right of like oh like you have to like be super successful and like be career woman because like that's what it means to be a woman right now um but I kind of see that um going back to what you're saying Jackie like yes we're uplifting these women that are now attaining these positions but you're kind of you know um you know, giving dirt on women that choose not to kind of follow those paths, right? You, women who still might want to um, hold what is, you know, traditional gender roles or like be housewives or just choose whatever they want to do that's not necessarily aligned with that. Um, I, I don't think that's fair. And I think that's, you know, a pitfall of girl boss feminism that we see now that there is just 
the standard, right, of women that's, you know, supposed to be super successful, what about others who don't necessarily fit into that or want to go into that, right? Um, like you're saying, Adriana, what about these women, right, like who aren't thick or what, you know, in this definition of thick, you can't just kind of um, bash on them um, because that's not fair to them. Yeah, no, I think you brought up a good point because uh, girl boss, I think, is usually like you're talking about the white feminism. It's the you can achieve, you can keep moving up the ladder. And I think you brought up a good point because a lot of minority women can't. I mean, we can't move up the ladder or we're not allowed um, or, you know, we don't have that um, that ally or that other woman who's going to be like, oh, yeah, let's promote her. Let's promote, you know, this person that's not white, that's not like me. Um, maybe ethnicity wise. And I think that's, you know, problematic because it's like, if women aren't, <clears throat> if minority women specifically aren't given that option to move up, like, you know, that's still, you're still having, you know, women that are of color that are still oppressed, you know, and not able to be a girl boss. And like you said, um, maybe not have the opportunities, you know, and maybe like, I can speak as a mother, you know, I've been criticized because I'm in school as a mother. You know, some people criticize me because they're like, you should be at home with your kids, not in school, or you should be at work, not at in school. And I think it's like, you realize you're like, I can, you know, I can never win. Like, no matter what I do, somebody has an opinion about what is wrong um, with it. And I think that's the, that's the thing that women, especially now with the pandemic, you know, a lot of women have had to leave the workforce because their bosses don't understand that they're mothers and they have a huge load on their back with when it comes to house, you know, house duties or kids or childcare. And I think that's another thing that's problematic because it's like traditionally women have carried the load of taking care of the family and do making the decisions and everything. And I think that's, um, you know, unfair. It's unfair because women are, you know, supposed to be good at everything, be good at being a mom, be good at, you know, being the nurturing mom, being the, the working mom. And I think it's, it's difficult. I mean, for me, trying to balance that is, I, I know I'm not alone. And I know that, you know, it's like, you can never, you never feel like you're doing um, everything that's asked or wanted. <laughs> so yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, I feel like this is a great transition to another point that I, I personally wanted to talk about, because we're kind of not like, it's like, there's two forms of like, we could say, you know, an ideal woman or like a role model as a woman. It's like someone or like maybe even two sides of the spectrum of like what it means to be a woman, like in traditional lenses. But it's like on one side, it's like you have the stay at home mom who like genuinely like loves to do these like more traditional um, gender roles like cooking and cleaning, raising the kids. And then you have, you know, the girl boss who is on the other end of the spectrum who doesn't want to have kids, for example, doesn't want to be a stay at home mom, wants to be the next CEO. And this is, I think, in my opinion, has opened up a completely new conversation um, or phenomenon, maybe like on social media about pick me girls. I don't know if anyone here has like heard about pick me girls but okay so this is something that I've personally like seen like flowing through like social media but for context a pick me a, a pick me girl is like someone who says oh I'm not like other girls 
I don't do my makeup. I don't do this or this. I like to read. I like to hang out with the guys. And I kind of want to talk about how this, how does this promote misogyny? Because in my, because like I, like when I was younger, I feel like I was a pick me girl. Like I was like the tomboy and I always would say, oh, I'm not like other girls. I like to, you know, play football and stuff. So in your perspectives, like, let's talk about that as well and how that kind of connects or if you have experiences with pick me girls, if you were a pick me girl and how this works against women. Yeah, well, I can say I was just in a meeting um, recently and um, there was a, there was a girl in our program that was like, yeah, I don't really like hanging out with other girls. Like I like hanging out with guys better. And the room kind of just was like, I mean, zoom room, but it kind of was like silent because it was like, you know, even me, I was like, like, what did you, what exactly did she mean by that? Um, or what, you know, maybe am I the one taking it um, wrong? But I mean, as a woman, I just was like, you know, it was kind of, kind of hard to hear that. But like, then, then again, I was trying to put myself in her shoes and I'm, I can kind of relate to what you're saying, Jackie, because I was like a tomboy and I kind of was like, well, that's not like me. And I think it's just trying to understand like, I wish I could have asked her a follow-up question by what exactly did she meet, you know, what, you know, maybe like privately, but I think that's something that, yeah, it can come across as like anti-women, you know, or like, you know, um, like, why would you, why would you want to separate yourself from the rest of women? You know, like, why do you have to make that separation? Um, and, and in a negative way, you know, as in, as in bringing women down, um, you know, and I think that like, almost like you're not wanting to belong to that group. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's challenging because I think like, I try to like imagine what she meant because I remember when I had my kids, I remember thinking, wow, if I have a daughter, that's going to be hard. And like, someone could have taken that as like, oh, kind of like what that, what that girl was saying. Um, you know, it's that same type of like, uh, like, what do they mean? But I think it's like, having that space where you can maybe say things like that, but explain it to where, you know, you can be like, okay, I understand where she's coming from or what, you know, what exactly is, what exactly is she trying to say here? Um, and I think that's the thing that everyone, no one asked the question. Everybody was kind of afraid because it is a, it is a, you know, sensitive subject. And I think, like you said, you can get attacked or people don't say anything. And I think that's a problem too. Totally. I, I relate and agree to what both of you guys said. Um, I feel like according to the definition provided by Jackie from TikTok, um, I also might've fallen into that category of a pick me girl in high school. But when I'm thinking back to my motivations, like I never chose that. I didn't include myself with other women around me because I didn't feel included with the other women around me. And I think it goes back to what we were saying, like it's so easy and so common to critique women in society. So, I mean, when you're with your friends, you're used to uplifting them, but when it comes to meeting new women and trying to make friends, you know, we're just so quick with our judgments. We're just ready to pick apart how they present themselves. And if you're someone who 
doesn't, whether it's visually or culturally or by any identifier, doesn't fit in with the group. The alternative, I guess, and I mean, the way it ended up for me was that I had mostly male friends and it wasn't because I didn't want to be friends with women, but it was because I had a hard time making friends with women because I didn't know the way to go about framing conversations. And, you know, that's why this conversations like this are so important. Yeah. And I feel like reflecting back on my high school experience, I remember so many times where guys would make fun of other girls like, oh, could you believe what, like, what she's she's wearing like oh my god she's like so dumb like she's such a hoe like I remember hearing that so so often and like the whole stereotype like oh she's like a dumb blonde and I like accepted that and that's why for a lot like that was a large reason of why I I wanted to like separate myself from that like I don't want to be considered like the dumb girl of the group I want to be smart I want to be like I want to gain respect and for me like at that age, like, it was so important for me to get acceptance from men by, you know, by, again, like Adriana was saying, distancing myself from, from, like, I guess, womanly traits. But it's crazy how I felt the need to do that. And in my mind, something that empowered me was, in reality, like, putting so much disrespect for, you know, the femme community. And I think that's something that it's so important to talk about now, because when people say, when let's say pick me girls say, Oh, I'm not like other girls. I like to read. Like, do you realize how offensive that is? Like, are you saying that women don't read? Like, what does that mean? Like women can do makeup, women can wear mini skirts. Women can love the color pink. Like, what's so bad about that? You know, women can want to be stay-at-home moms, but then also women can be on the other spectrum and be like the girl boss. Like, I don't understand how women have also like fed into this thing where we have to like bash at each other. And I think that's like kind of how this whole pick me girl phenomenon has taken place. Yeah, I... Yeah, <laughs> this phenomenon of the pick me girl. Yeah, I also talked to my sisters about that. My sisters are younger than me. And um, yeah, they just like, you know, we're all on social media and we're all like kind of um, seeing all of this play out. And one, one of my sisters is on Tumblr and she talks about this like all the time. Um, and I, I just think that, you know, this pick me girl kind of idea just just fosters this competition that doesn't need to be there. Um, and I'm like, and for what? Like, for what purpose? Um, but I mean, when you do think about it, like, Jackie, what you're saying, like, you want to feel um, validated by men, you want to feel accepted by men. That's why you separate from these kinds of different, or you, you separate yourselves from these, like, you know, traditionally stereotypical images of women um, in order to feel accepted. And so I guess this whole kind of phenomenon is still trying to pander um, into what men are expecting women to be or what they say they expect women to be. Um, and, and this is kind of how, you know, men continue to dominate this narrative, right, of women. Going back to the patriarchy, it's still a way to kind of, um, you know, wrap women into this. 
in a sense, control women, in a sense, continue, right, this, this hierarchy. Um, because if you are, you know, pitting women against women, like you're still, you're, you know, men are still in power. Um, and, you know, the misogyny still exists. So of course, this whole um, system continues to function. And I, yeah, I, I, I also think it's really interesting that, you know, today, how maybe pick me girls are like, oh, but I'm like, a career woman or I read or I'm like good at science or you know whatever <laughs> they say that they deem as opposite to these traditional stereotypes I think these kinds of the kinds of ways that women try to um, show that they are you know cool women or you know a good woman is just really because of these changing kind of standards I, I don't know if that's the right word but this kind of changing idea of what a woman of what a woman should be yeah, like expectations it, expect yeah expectations yeah that's a good it's a good way to say it um and it's probably you know do it's interesting i i'm still trying to think through my thoughts but it's interesting because you know feminism right is really trying to like fight for women and try to fight for equality between you know all genders and and stuff but with feminism you know because we're trying to fight against you know, gender roles, traditional gender roles and stereotypes. It's interesting how then with the Pikmin girls or this kind of phenomenon, how these, you know, kinds of rejections of gender roles is now used, being used against us. I'm not, I'm sure if I'm making sense, but um, I think it's really like interesting how there's still different ways um, to kind of pit women against each other. Yeah. And I think that's, this is a great, another great transition to another point that I wanted to get everyone's insight on because we were talking about previously about like the girl boss versus, you know, a stay at home mom or something or, or like a girl boss versus a girl who, you know, likes to post pictures of herself in the, in a bikini on Instagram or something, how like those two seem to be very different for some reason. So I want to talk about Something, it's going to get a little spicy, everyone. Be prepared. But I'm not sure how many of, or if anyone really knows about, you know, OnlyFans. It's this, you know, platform where women can, um, not only women, but it is predominantly used by women to, you know, show their bodies and like it's a way for them to, an additional way for them to make income. And I've noticed a lot, like right off the bat, like the slut shaming was right out the door. Like people were making fun of women that used OnlyFans and they're saying like, oh, I can't believe you would stoop as low to, you know, sell your bot or like sell images of your body when you can just, you know, get a job, go to college. And like, in terms, I guess, adopt more of this girl boss feminism. So what is, what, are your your thoughts on like trying to promote you know sex positivity in women and if we're gonna tell women like especially like if we're also gonna talk about like rape culture and we're, if we're gonna tell young girls like you should not feel like you need to cover up but then we're also gonna judge women for having OnlyFans and for like posting bikini pictures like what's that's something I'd like to get your, your thoughts on and how that's kind of ironic in a way or hypocritical? 
I have a lot of thoughts about this. <laughs> um, I think it's, you know, it's all about where the power comes from, like we've been talking about. And what's unique about OnlyFans versus other women who are in sex work or sex working industries, it's OnlyFans works in a way that the woman gets paid directly and um, in, you know, a lot better than in a lot of these other sex worker industries. They actually have the autonomy and the privacy to have control over their entire operation. And I think the idea that this is opposed to girl boss feminism is kind of crazy because what is it that we're really, that's so different because she has control over her finances and what she does and she feels empowered by doing it. The difference is that we, well, you know, hopefully we wouldn't have to see this stuff on our online if we didn't want to, but people are exposed to this stuff, whether or not they ask to be. And then they feel, like I said, they feel like they can judge. They feel like they can give their critique. They feel like their input is important into what this woman chooses to do with her life. And that can be definitely damaging and harmful to these women who, you know, get barraged with uh, complaints and judgment all the time. But on the same, on the other hand, like it, it can be a dangerous world out there for women. And we know that, you know, rape culture is still very prominent in our society and there has to be ways for us to take autonomy and take power over our bodies, regardless of whether or not we live in a patriarchy. And I think it's just when a woman has say over how she displays her body, that's ultimately the most empowering thing. Um, and also when she's not, you know, climbing someone else's ladder, when she has her own path to go on and to proceed with, I think that's very empowering as well. Yeah, and I think this might be a question that Adriana might be, be best suit to answer, but this is also something that Gabby and I were thinking about when, you know, deciding or like discussing OnlyFans and the concept of like slut shaming online. But how would you feel, I guess like compare it to how you feel when you see, you know, a woman promoting, you know, stripping as a career or OnlyFans, like how, how would you feel about that if let's say your daughter grew up and like started using social media and saw that type of content? Like this is also for, you know, Gabby and Faisal, like, if you do plan to have kids one day, like, how would you feel if you, if like your, your kid, your daughter, or any of your children saw that type of content, would you feel like less okay with it? Would you feel more upset about it? Yeah, um, I can answer that. Um, I mean, my daughter's young, she's still three, so <laughs> I don't have to worry about that right this second. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think there's always forms, like even when we were growing up, we didn't have, like, obviously kids have cell phones and they have more access to the internet and now they have access to porn and things that we didn't have as easily access to. But I mean, we had magazines, we had, you know, um, whoever it was, um, Britney Spears, you know, or however, like, however, 
you know, her talking about her virginity and if, is she a virgin is, you know, like, should she show her stomach? And I think it, you know, it, it influenced us no matter what, you know, all those things influence us because like cultural, you know, and culture, it's, it's what's around us, what we grow up and what's on TV. I remember when I moved to Spain, I saw there was like porn on a normal TV channel, you know, I'm like, oh, so all the kids in Spain can watch this. And people are like, yeah, it's like not, not a big deal. So I think keeping that too in perspective, I think here in America, you know, obviously porn and all of that is kind of like a dirty word. And, you know, we're, we're, um, we're taught early kind of like a sexual shame um, and how girls need to be a certain way. Um, and I think like, um, you know, at least for my experience growing up, I didn't have someone, a female talking to me about it. And I think that's what I'll do different with my daughter. I'm not gonna, I mean, I know she's going to be exposed to this. Um, you know, with social media, I do look at it sometimes for young girls. And I'm like, wow, like this gets pretty like sexual. Um, you know, and I think like, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, she, there's no way you can like block them from that, you know, obviously age appropriately, but, um, I think it's something that you need to be able to have someone to talk to, whether it's your counselor, whether it's your mom, whether it's your aunt. And I think that's the most important thing. Cause like what Gabby was saying is like, um, you can't just say, Oh yeah, all these women are all these, this whole industry is bad. Like don't talk about it. Don't be about it. Um, because you're not, you know, working for it or you're not into it or you don't personally like it. I think it's something like, you know, it's something that is out there and it's like to each their own, you know, everyone has to choose their industry. And like Gabby said, it's way better to have someone being able to control their body and their finances and having everything, you know, directly given to them versus having like a pimp or somebody else or a man having um, to take a cut of what that woman's, you know, makes each day. So I think, yeah, I think um, communication is really important and and like you guys said, it's, you know, it's not easy to be a woman. It's not easy to grow up. And we know that because we've experienced that ourselves, but I think understanding what's age appropriate and being able to have an open dialogue with my daughter specifically about her being able to come and talk to me. And if, if she doesn't feel comfortable, me being able to put her um, with a counselor or someone that she can feel comfortable asking these questions and talking about it. Yeah. It's hard to have these open conversations about like, you know, things we might not be into or might not feel comfortable having talking about openly. But I mean, that's so important for all of us is just to communicate openly about it. But I mean, I would imagine, especially as a mother, that's like something you spend a lot of time thinking about. So really admirable. Yeah, I feel like I've honestly also spent a good amount of time thinking about this just because I am at a point in my life where I am going to be actually getting engaged soon. And I, I can see myself starting a family within like a year or two already. And like thinking about like my own daughter, like going on TikTok, for example, and seeing there's like, at least on my on my feed, like there's a lot of content saying like, oh, do you want to, do you want to be a sugar baby? Here's how, do you want to be a stripper? Here's how. And like a part of me wants to be like, yes, queen, collect the coin, get the bag, you do you, be a boss. But then a part of me is also thinking about like my daughter, like in the future, like a, my 13 year old daughter looking at that content 
and thinking like, yeah, this is, this is like the best thing to do. Like, this is what I want to do. Like finesse the system. You know, again, I want to collect the bag too. It's like, I feel like such a hypocrite in a way where like, I want to empower women to, you know, be sex workers, but at the same time, it's like, same time, it's like that sexual shame that we talked about earlier, where I would honestly feel uneasy if my daughter, who is a child still in high school or elementary school, is already looking at those, like, occupations, you know, before she really looks into, like, going to college or being in STEM or anything else. And I don't know if that makes me like puts me against women in any way or makes me a hypocrite. But like, if I'm honest, like that is something that I've been thinking about. I feel like, you know, we have to talk about the good, the bad and the ugly without judgment. You know, like no career is gonna be 100% easy or 100% just detrimental to your, your career. There's always gonna be two sides to it, but I think so often when we, as women talk about our struggles, we're, we're not really given more power to push through and to keep going. We're, you know, we look at it or not, I don't know. It's people look at the struggles of women and think, oh, well, they have other options. They can do this other thing. Why are they choosing to make things harder for themselves? But at the end of the day, like we have to empower women for the choices they do make and be honest about, you know, what we go through and just share our experiences. Cool. Well, if no one has anything else to say on that topic, I feel like this is a great point to wrap up. Um, I know we might have not ended on like the most positive note, but maybe to end a little bit more positively, if everyone wants to go around and just give maybe one piece of advice or like say one message to any gals, any femme identifying people out there, now's your time. Do you have anyone have anything they'd like to end off, end off the podcast with? Because I would personally say for my bit, I encourage any girls out there, ask questions, question things. Like don't sit there and like, take everything as a fact. Like I applaud you and encourage you to be a skeptic about whatever it is that you have any doubts on, because I feel like that is the way that you're going to really find yourself and figure out who you want to be. Um, And I think in many ways, like women are, have traditionally been told not to ask questions, just to do as they're told and to, again, follow the expectations that others have set out for them. So I applaud you to go against the grain, ask questions and stick it to the man. <laughs> That's great. Um, for a last note, I'm going to say as a message, um, you know, your thoughts are valid. Your feelings are valid. Your questions are valid. And when in doubt, reach out because there will always be, someone around who can lend you a helping hand or just listen when you need somebody to listen. Yeah, I'm going off that. I think just being an ally to other women, especially if you're 
um, in the workforce, or even if you're in conversation with other women, whether putting another woman down, just to be able to say like, you know, like stand up for that woman. Maybe if she's there or not there, I think just, we need more women standing up for other women because um, like we know most of the industries that we are going to be working in or living in are male dominated. So we really need that ally and other women to make sure that women aren't silenced, that women um, get the opportunities and that um, we support each other. Yeah. And I mean, I would say just for, you know, any woman, any girl, any femme identifying person who feels excluded, who doesn't feel included in these conversations about feminism and things like that. Um, just, just, you know, I encourage you and it might be hard, but I encourage you to kind of seek out, um, you know, certain groups, whether they're affinity groups and whatnot, where you could feel comfortable that you do see yourself in um, to just join, to reach out, to, you know, kind of hopefully make better connections with other women. Um, because, I mean, like Adriana is saying, it's so important to support each other and to empower each other. Well, with that, I want to thank you on behalf of OML for everyone to come out and talk about how, again, empowered women can empower women. Um, this was a really great conversation. I had a great time. I hope everyone else did as well. And yeah, Gabby, you want to say anything else before we close off? Um, just a shout out to Faiza and Adriana. Thank you so much for coming today. I also had a really great time chatting with you all. Um, this has been great. Happy Women's History Month to all. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Take care.